Hello, welcome to PMM Insight, a plastics machinery and manufacturing podcast. This is an episode of PMM in person, where we talk to the most interesting players in the plastics industry. I am your host, Ron Shen, editor of PMM. Today, I have two guests from the American Chemistry Council. They are Tim Shestick, Senior Director for State Affairs in the Western Region, and Rob Simon, Vice President for Chemical Products and Technology. We're talking about two subjects the entire plastics industry needs to be paying attention to. Extended Product Responsibility Programs, commonly referred to as EPR programs, and Polyfluorinated Substances, or PFAS. State legislatures are certainly paying attention, and the ACC is actively engaged in representing the plastics industry in these discussions. Both of my guests are on the front lines in dealing directly with lawmakers. Tim, start us off by telling us about extended producer responsibility laws facing the plastics industry. How did we get to this point, and what can plastics processors do? Well, thanks, Ron. Uh, Appreciate the chance to talk a little bit about one of the primary uh, and priority issues that ACC is involved in and a number of our downstream customer groups uh, are involved in around packaging and and plastics. And as as you mentioned, extended producer responsibility is a a focal point that's front and center of a number of state legislatures uh, around the country. Uh, Over the last few years, we have seen a a dramatic increase uh, in the attention and interest uh, amongst policymakers around single-use packaging, uh, particularly plastics, and what what can be done to increase the amount of material that is collected, uh, processed, and, and basically kept out of landfills uh, and the environment. I, I think we can all agree that uh, those are laudable goals. Uh, we don't want to see plastics in the environment. Uh, we want to see policies that uh, can incentivize and help divert material from disposal and back in into new products. But as you started out, I mean, the attention around plastics uh, in state legislatures around the country is, is significant. Just in this past year alone, we've seen uh, upwards of 280 some odd bills uh, that were considered. And these really ran the gamut of uh, plastics related uh, policy ideas on packaging. Uh, some pro- proposed to prohibit uh, the use of certain types of, of, of plastics. Others focused on uh, microplastics and the potential impact of microplastics in the environment. Uh, but really the, the, the most comprehensive approach uh, to dealing with packaging and, and trying to increase recycling is, is extended producer responsibility. And right now we have four states that have adopted uh, EPR laws, California, Colorado, Oregon, uh, and Maine. And all, they're not they're all quite the same, but the general... Uh, the gist behind all of these laws is to enhance the state's uh, existing recycling programs, both at the state and local level. And by doing so, uh, the, the, the idea is that producers of packaging material, primarily your brand companies, uh, will be responsible for paying into a system that is designed to improve the collection, sorting, and processing of packaging material, with the, with the end result being that that material uh, will become feedstock for uh, the manufacturer of new of new products. For the plastics industry, you're going to see, I, I think, uh, some uh, specific attention around 
the types of plastics that are currently used in the packaging system uh, and stream, and new requirements for increasing the recycling of those types of uh, packaging materials. I also going to believe you're going to see new requirements for increasing the amount of uh, recycled content that's used uh, to make uh, new packaging uh, in, in the plastic space. And certainly, I think all of these laws, and they're, they're relatively new, so we're still a lot of the details are have yet to be worked out, and they're going to be rolled out over the course of the next 10 years. Uh, but I think there's certainly the ability and the possibility that uh, certain types of plastics are, are going to be impacted uh, as these laws get implemented. And so I think it's going to be uh, imperative that folks in the plastics industry pay attention, uh, stay informed about how these laws are being uh, developed and implemented, what it may mean for companies that are in the plastic packaging space. Uh, I think it's going to impact uh, the decision-making by consumer brand companies about what types of materials they're going to be utilizing as they manufacture uh, their product and, and try to deliver those uh, to the market. For, for the industry, uh, I mentioned trying to stay uh, informed of what's, what's happening at the state legislative level uh, and really engaging uh, policymakers uh, in understanding what some of these policies may uh, result in, in terms of potential impacts for the industry, I think it's imperative for, for the broader industry to, to be engaged uh, as best as they possibly can. One thing that we've been doing is trying to make it easy for folks in the plastic processing community and the, and the entire plastics industry uh, generally uh, to be engaged with their respective state legislators around the country. Uh, we have a website that I encourage folks to uh, take a look at, chemistrymatters.com, the ability to, to sign up and, and stay abreast of what's happening at the state legislative level, and, and also uh, providing an opportunity to get involved uh, and directly talking to, to folks in the legislature. I think one thing that we have found is that the more industry uh, gets involved, the more, in, the more uh, active industry uh, folks are in terms of engaging with legislators, uh, hosting legislators uh, at their local facilities, uh, providing information about what kinds of uh, impact those companies have uh, locally, not only with jobs and the economic contributions, but uh, having legislators understand exactly what types of products are being made at home in their districts really goes a long way, I think, to uh, uh, helping the industry uh, advocate at the state and local level for policies uh, that are implementable, that are practical, uh, and allows the industry to uh, maintain its uh, ability to, to, to be in the marketplace uh, while at the same time taking steps that are, that are important uh, to ensuring that uh, the material that we produce uh, is managed responsibly and ultimately gets recycled uh, back into the, to, uh, feedstock to, to make new products. So there's a lot of, uh, I'll say, misinformation out there in terms of, of plastics. I, I think there's a, a, a general sentiment amongst several folks in the policymaking space that alternatives to plastics are always better for the environment. Uh, those types of, that, that's a sort of a thought process, if you will, I, I think is uh, short in, in terms of its uh, not recognizing all of the environmental attributes of, of plastics in terms of their impacts on reducing GHG emissions, uh, light weighting, uh, preserving food, uh, all important attributes to consider. Uh, we think it's important as states look at developing and implementing EPR programs that those attributes are, are taken into account. Uh, and again, that we have a policy that uh, is one is implementable uh, and is practical and certainly allows for 
uh, plastics to uh, maintain a place in the marketplace uh, while also doing our part to make sure that the material uh, doesn't find its way into the environment. So appreciate the opportunity, Ron, and, and look forward to working with your listeners uh, and others to uh, really, really engage uh, and ultimately impact uh, what's happening at the state uh, legislative level. Thank you, Tim. So, Rob, uh, PFAS has been frequently in the news, but I'm not sure all our listeners understand what they are, why they're getting so much attention, and what's happening on the legislative front uh, that could impact plastic processors. All right. Well, thanks, Ron. Um, appreciate the opportunity to share some information on, on PFAS. So uh, at a big picture level, in terms of why the industry and your listeners are hearing about this is Fluorinated chemicals, or per polyfluoroalkyl substances, often called PFAS, are a very large and diverse family of chemistry. And there were some historical uses, uh, particularly firefighting foam, which had some dispersive applications. And so you've had some local uh, or potential local remediation issues around the use of, of that in that application. Uh, but it's really important for your listeners to understand that PFAS are an incredibly diverse family of chemistry. You've got hundreds of different compounds with very different uh, uh, physical, toxicological profiles. You've got solids, liquids, gases, and you just can't and shouldn't treat all PFAS like they're the same. And an important uh, distinction here is when you look at the family of PFAS chemistry, uh, one part of that chemistry, uh, fluoropolymers, which is critical to plastic processing, um, is very safe, right? It's been used for decades. Uh, it meets the OECD's criteria for polymers of low concern, and in that regard can be used safely and provide the benefits to the industry without necessarily having the, the environmental health and safety concerns that maybe you had with other applications that were very different. Uh, so that's the distinction we try to, to help policymakers and industry understand. Uh, for, for the members uh, that are in the plastic processing area, uh, I think what we'd want to emphasize is that many of you are probably familiar with this, but fluoropolymers, which are, which are a family, part of the PFAS family, um, are particularly relevant for the, the processing and conversion of polyurethane films. So for your members, um, the, the key things there is that they're critical in, per, in reducing packaging weight, uh, polymer waste during polymer conversion. Um, they're going to provide some critical benefits in terms of providing a consistent, high-performing product in the polymer processing process that leads to less weakness. So you're, you're losing, you're not, uh, you're losing less material. You can recycle, uh, use more mechanical recycled plastics as, as in your processes. And overall, you're going to just have some additional benefits, particularly as it relates to film thickness. Um, so those are some of the things that, you know, why they're relevant for the plastic processing industry. But would just conclude with, you know, as we're seeing some of these policies develop around PFAS, it is critical that the, the, the voice of the plastic processing industry be part of this process. The ability to speak to the safety and the use in plastic processing. Again, fluoropolymers are very different and they have a clear safety profile. So as you're seeing some of these policies get developed, um, really need those voices to help people understand why you need to treat different PFAS differently and shouldn't group them or treat them all the same. Uh, and I'll just close with, there are a lot of broad policies, particularly at the state level, that would encourage plastic processors to pay attention to. 
So the good news is there's about 28 states that have enacted some form of uh, regulation or policy on PFAS. And to a large degree, you know, over 95% of those are focused on the right things. They're focused on things that might have the potential to get into the environment. They're focused on making sure we've got clean drinking water and those uh, applications that may require additional um, uh, regulation. Uh, we've only really seen two states take very broad approaches, but those would be the states. We really want to ensure that uh, we don't have states take these broad ban approaches that ban all PFAS, including fluoropolymers, that would limit the use and the important benefits of, of fluoropolymers that can be used safely. So uh, happy to be a resource to members, but uh, uh, those would be some of the things we'd highlight and look forward to uh, providing any additional information that the industry may be interested in. Great. Thank you, Tim and Rob. Uh, those were great explanations. Uh, if you want to learn more, you can visit the ACC's website at www.americanchemistry.com and also chemistrymatters.com. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of PMM in Person. Thanks to Associate Editor Marvin Brown for editing this podcast. You can always find our podcast and the latest information about the worldwide plastics industry on our website, www.plasticsmachinerymanufacturing.com, and on social media. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app, and please tell a friend or colleague who would enjoy the show. This podcast is produced by Plastics Machinery and Manufacturing, an Endeavor Business Media brand.